Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. All right. We're back again for another uh, episode. We're still doing these things week by week. That's right. We got to get caught up. (laughs) Yes, we uh, do. Uh, I don't know. We're busy people. Yeah, some of us are. Right. Yeah. Uh, John doesn't do anything all day. No, man. I just got up, actually. You still watching CSI in your mama's basement? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a uh, good topic today, uh, I do believe, and uh, we have a, a really good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine. Uh, Mark Williams is our uh, guest today, and we're going to talk about children's ministry because uh, Mark and his family all have uh, a, a great love for the ministry to, to kids and their parents as well. And so, uh, Marcus, good to have you on today. I am excited to be with you guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man. Won't you uh, just start off, if you will, just a couple minutes uh, telling them about you, where you're, uh, we know you're from Philadelphia because uh, you're from the town where the great John Martin is from. Oh, ooh, <laughs> y'all. Uh, that's a lot to live <laughs> so, up to. Uh, <laughs> it is. So tell us a little bit about uh, you and your family and uh, where you're ministering, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, I live in Grenada, Mississippi. I serve as children's pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church here, and I'm married to Melanie. She works in the school system here. I, she's a teacher, but she's also uh, the in-house Kidsium director at the school. So she's with kids all the time. I'm with kids all the time. Um, uh, we have two children. Uh, our son, Micah, is a senior in high school, and he'll be going to Mississippi State in the fall. And we have a seventh grader. Her name is Mallory, and she just loves life. So that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, the different things that God has us involved in. But yeah. um, children's ministry is my passion. Um, it is where God has led me to. And I yeah. hope we have an opportunity to talk about that uh, at some point as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I have one very important question to start us out with, and that is, Mark, do you have a perpetual cold being around all those children? Because <laughs> I have a I have a three year old, and I feel like I have a perpetual cold now. Right, I think you you develop an immune system that just just helps they, you out in that. Um, man, they keep telling me that, but it hadn't happened for me. <laughs> that's right. It gets better. I promise. That's <laughs> the older they get. Uh, good right. deal. Well, won't you start off by telling us that you know why children's ministry? Not only your call, but but in general, why is it important for churches to have and put an emphasis on uh, this life stage of children's ministry? Right. You know, for me, it's it's one of the most important times in the life of a person. Uh, just, mm. you know, it's one of the most moldable times in their life because really from birth to age 12, 13, they're beginning to establish who they are, uh, their, yeah. their personalities, what they believe. And the why is going to, to come probably more in the teenage years. But right. as they begin to ask those questions, as they learn in different ways. But, you know, what we teach on a weekly basis to kids um, in our churches with the gospel is so important because if they get it early, then it's going to stick with them. And and you'll have those kids say, well, I remember in vacation Bible school when we did this, you know, uh, you you think back to those memories that are lifetime memories and what happens. So it it is so important. And and the other side of that is that we have a command to do that, to make disciples, uh, to not only tell them who Jesus is, but also how we can have a relationship with them. Uh, We spend a lot of time 
teaching the stories of faith in the Bible, but we don't need to to overlook or neglect bringing them to a point where they can make an authentic decision to follow mm-hmm. Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, we may err to the side of saying, hey, let's teach them about Noah. Let's teach them mm-hmm. about the life of Joseph, which we're doing a lot of right now, and forget that, hey, we need to bring them to that point where they know Jesus personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, we're going to kind of, I guess, uh, use our dead man talking this week as kind of a, a diving board into this topic. Uh, and our dead man comes from uh, the uh, uh, the great pastor D.L. Moody. Uh, and he says, it's a masterpiece of the devil to make us believe that children cannot understand religion. Would Christ have made a child the standard of faith if he had known that it was not capable of understanding his words? And I think that goes along with exactly what you just said, uh, Mark, this idea of uh, we do need to teach them the stories, but uh, these children are so much are capable of so much more than just uh, hearing stories. They're capable of understanding um, how to place their faith in Jesus and how to follow him in discipleship. That's right. And, and you know, when we think about <laughs> a lot of times, one of my pet peeve statements that I hear is children of the church are, are the future of tomorrow or the church of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, they're the church of today. Right. And and we need to, to treat them as such. And children's ministry, uh, I think, just echoes that. And I, I you, you see a bigger emphasis on children's ministry these days, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I started off in, in one of these dual roles, uh, especially early in my ministries, where I was doing children children's ministry and student ministry. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of those dual roles, and there's that's perfectly fine. But a lot of times you'll have a committee say, well, we want 75% student ministry <laughs> or 25%. Yeah. And that's not really how it works, but I had a, right. I did. I had a light bulb moment uh, probably four or five years into full-time ministry where I realized if I focus and invest in the children's ministry, the student ministry is going to naturally grow, not only only in number, but in spiritual depth. That's right. And you see that long-term investment happening um, in in children's ministry and student ministry. But I mean, those two work hand in hand together. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. And you know, I think this brings up our next real question that we have and thing we want to talk about because... You know, if we're saying that the time period of children's ministry is important in the discipleship of their for their lives forever, uh, you know, I think many of us don't really know what that's supposed to look like. What, what, is, what does discipleship look like for a second grader? You know, what, what does discipleship yeah. look like for a first grader? Mm-hmm. And we, we think kind of, I, I think, erroneously that, that we got to wait till they get to the seventh grade and eighth grade and ninth grade, maybe before we can really begin to disciple them. Right. And, and I think that's, uh, that's caused really the condition that we're in now. I read a study just, uh, today in the Baptist record that, uh, you know, it's talking about how young adults fall from the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it may be that we missed them in those most, most formidable years, yeah. you know? We, uh, we we were kind of too late to the party. Mm-hmm. So, right. so help us help us to kind of try to understand if we're going to do children's ministry, we understand the value of children's ministry. How do we disciple those kids? How do we get them on that process? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, number one, I don't I don't have the perfect answer, but number number two is this: is this going to take more than just 
a children's minister or more than yeah. even just the parent for that yeah. to happen. This is going to be a holistic approach yeah. because I rely so heavily on on lots of people to invest in kids. There's mm-hmm. no there is no way I can disciple effectively every kid in my children's ministry. Sure. So number one, what I want to do is to teach them the foundational truths of God's word. And really before that is to help them fall in love with the word of God. Mm-hmm. I think that, and that goes for adults as well. Yeah, um, right. You know, to, to teach them that God's word is where they're going to find uh, the truth they're going to find answers, and that's where they're going to find their ultimate guidance, uh, no matter mm-hmm. what. So we do, you know, whether that's in a small group format or we go to large group formats, uh, investing in kids and having multiple people investing in kids. Uh, John, you know my son, Micah. You've seen him yeah. through the years. Yeah. I, I want people speaking into my son and my daughter besides just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want those I want other adults saying the same things maybe just in a different way mm-hmm. but they need to be pouring into him as much as anything and that's what I think discipleship is is a group of people leading someone along uh and I think that can happen in children's ministry. Yeah, I think one of my greatest joys as a father so far is exactly what you just said uh, to um to get ready to pray at night and my son wants to pray for his Sunday school teacher, right. Miss Joe, or, you know, he, uh, he talks about wanting to go to church and see Mr. Andy and all these folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they are pouring into him at church and, and, and loving him at church and, and teaching him the word at church and, you know, playing Play-Doh with him at church and all these that's things right. that, that are making a, an impact. And I, I think, man, that's, that's the approach, uh, that holistic approach that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned like just play with the Play-Doh, but mm-hmm. there will be a moment in time where your your child looks back years from now and goes, hey, that person, they've spent time with me at church. Mm-hmm. And, and those yeah. will be those things that, hey, the people in the body of Christ cared for me mm-hmm. by investing their time with me. And then they told, told me and taught me the truths of God's word as well. So yeah. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Mark, I could I could sit here, you and I could, uh, we could just reflect back on uh, those poor guys that were having to teach us Sunday school. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, we, we, could, uh, we could reflect back on those people. You know, I remember who my uh, Sunday school was even as a, as a little child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I, I, I remember who the lady was that uh, forced me to do Bible drills. That's right. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. you remember those people because they are investing and, and they're helping mold and make you into something that uh, hopefully will turn out <laughs> in the end. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure you and I turned out real well. <laughs> Maybe somebody did. Well, John, you mentioned Bible drills, and a lot of times people ask me, you know, what, it, what do you do to help kids learn the Bible? You know, we like to do a lot of cutting edge stuff, but every spring we are doing Bible drills with our kids here because what better way to disciple a kid than with straight scripture? Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. for sure. And that's good. And and yeah, is it an old school model? Yes, but Mm -hmm. you cannot go wrong with teaching kids scripture. Oh, yeah. And when you do that there, you know, the the word speaks for itself. It says when you hide that word in your heart, you're not going to sin against God because you have it in there. I mean, we're going to mess up, but it's going to stick with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, you know, kind of talking about the discipleship idea and uh, we kind of explored that just a little bit. 
Uh, the other big question I think for children's <laughs> ministry comes in when you start talking about worship, right. and uh, and you know I, I I know that we have a lot of listeners that even are not even in Baptist backgrounds, sure. and so they approach worship a lot differently mm-hmm. than maybe we even do. And uh, I found in the South that uh, that work ki- children are uh, in worship, and there's no other option, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is uh, pretty interesting in rural areas. Uh, but there are churches that do, uh, you know, have their own little worship time. They may call it children's church or kids worship or whatever they right. call it. You know, what have you seen uh, as as ways that children can be included in worship, mm-hmm. and should that be? In the in the same room as the adults, or should they have their own worship hour? Or uh, what what do you think is the is the best way for that to happen? Well, I don't know. I'm not sold that there's one right way. I think a lot of it has to do with your local church culture. Uh, for me personally, um, we don't emphasize children's church here, and I think that's a really a philosophical approach for me because mm-hmm. I as a children's pastor, and really I want to look at the whole that the family as a whole. I want kids to worship alongside their parents and families. And if the only opportunity for that to happen is Sunday morning, you know, at your 11 a.m. worship or 1045 worship, then we need to do that together. Mm, Uh, I want kids to experience corporate worship with the entire church body. You know, sometimes we segregate our ministries into children's ministry or preschool ministry or student Mm -hmm. ministry. Man, we are the church body. We are the body of Christ. And so... I want to see the body worship together, and I want to see, you know, I want kids to see their parents engaged in the Word and worship and to know what that's like. I I want a kid to see their parents singing. I want a kid to see their parent engaged reading the Word, listening to the the pastor. And I can tell you, uh, even with talks with my pastor here at Emmanuel, our kids hear more than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And now there are times— that we need to have age-appropriate messages and sermons yeah. uh, where kids really don't need to hear certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a level, you know, there's a, we could probably talk about 20 different topics that are probably not the best for your eight-year-old to come home and say, <laughs> yeah. hey, what did yeah. the pastor mean by this? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I, I just think we need to be sensitive to that. You know, we've seen the, thing, the time where you bring kids down front and, uh, man, you are setting yourself up for who knows what to happen if, if yeah, you do that. Yeah. But but there are times when we do awesome moments like that. Children's church, uh, there's great benefit in that. Um, I'm not anti-children's church. It's just not the, the way that I prefer for our kids to worship, you know, because we do that at a different time on Sunday mornings. We do that yeah, during, yeah. during Sunday school. Um, you and know. I think, too, you know, you, say, you, you, you said this kind of earlier that uh, children are not Children are not the future of the church. They they are the church, yeah. uh, and and so uh, we should want them to be involved in what we're doing to see how uh, how we appropriately worship mm-hmm. the Lord, yeah. right? And so, because I think sometimes we we put our youth, even and our kids, at a real disadvantage when we we create these atmospheres for them to worship in, and um, and they're, they're always high energy mm-hmm. and they're always mm-hmm. games based yeah. and they're always exciting and then they come into worship on Sunday morning or Sunday night or whatever and they worship with the adults and it's boring yeah sure Be- it, because they've never experienced what corporate worship looks like you know right and 
you know, a lot of that goes back to growing as a disciple going, hey, every time I worship, it's not going to be my personal preference right, right, type yeah. of worship. And that even as an adult, yeah. you know, yeah. we uh, don't have that figured out, do we? No, <laughs> and yeah. because we, you know, we'll say, well, man, I just wish we would sing this song or this song. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I think that's part of the learning process as a disciple that worship isn't about us. It's about yeah. response to God. And, you know, that's we we provide those uh, high energy moments in, in, you know, Sunday school worship time sure. or and, and investing in them, discipling them. But I think there's great value uh, when a when a son stands beside his mom and dad or mom or dad and they worship together. There's, there's yeah. something that you can't replicate that anywhere else. Yeah, I think that's so good. And, and part of it we know is that our worship is formative. And so we are teaching in what we're doing. That's right. So I love that. I I loved you know growing up and uh and and seeing my dad sing in service, you know, and um and and now emulating that for my son. And, and you know part of the way that we we also do that is we try to encourage people uh, to do simple family worship at yes. home. Uh, you know, uh, gather together before bedtime and uh, <coughs> sing a hymn, read a passage of scripture, and pray. You know, something right. that simple. But doing that really shows our children that. Um, that we mean business, right? This is not just something we do on Sundays. This, exactly. is, this is a lifestyle for us. And, yeah, and parents are going to have more influence, obviously, over kids. Uh, they're, they're with them more, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's we got to utilize that opportunity that we have to speak into our, our, uh, our kid, children's lives. Well, that's right, John. You know, I've seen this illustration with marbles. Y'all may have seen it where the, the parents have 4,000 hours a year with their kids and the church is going to have maybe a hundred if we're, if we're fortunate with kids. So Mm -hmm. we have to, you know, so much part of uh, children's ministry and parent ministry are going hand in hand. And, you know, Mm -hmm. whether we call it family ministry or parent Mm -hmm. ministry, you know, there's a, there's a responsibility given to us as parents. And I like to speak as a parent because I've got two kids, man, I've, that I've invested in, you know, for their lifetime. And my son is about to graduate high school and, and I'm sitting here, thinking I've got one semester left, you know, wow. yeah. what have I, what have I done to disciple him? Because he's going off to, uh, to school, to college, wow. and I'm not going to be there every step of the way, right. every decision that he makes. And it's a, it's a huge responsibility. So the church needs to walk alongside parents to yeah. help them with that journey when they're four and five year olds and seven and eight year olds mm-hmm. so that those students are ready when they turn 18 or, or they're going off and to work or to college or whatever it is because yeah. parents want to know what's next in our faith path. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mark, do you, what's the, what's the name of the app? Do you remember off the top of your head? Oh yeah. Count. What, what is it? it? Well, the, I'm going to tell you, it's called the Legacy app, but legacy it's, app. it's no longer working. I was looking at it the other day oh, on no. my phone because I've used that so many yeah. times in illustrations, and yeah. and my app is down to 15 weeks with my kid, oh, wow. with my son. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when I first started using that app, it was like 472 weeks, yeah. and so now I'm almost down to single digits. Uh, yeah. You know, in that, am I going to still disciple my son? Absolutely. Sure. You know, sure. I mean that's that's a lifetime thing. It's not hey. Hey, when he turns 18, I'm done, you know, with my, my <laughs> no, I mean, forever for that's this. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, it, you know, my time with him every day uh, yeah. will is soon to be, you know, coming to a close. So um, we, we do. We have to learn how to parent different. Uh, we have to learn how to disciple 
uh, in a different way uh, rather than through an authoritative way, you know, early on, even in discipline, uh, disciplining your children, you have to transfer that to a respect and a, and a relationship that's saying, hey, this is what the word of God says. Yeah. Uh, and we make our choices from there. So. Yeah, and you know, doing that and partnering uh, all of that effort we're putting into our kids, partnering that with men and women in the church oh, that yes. love Jesus as much as we do, yeah. and uh, is investing in their lives. Uh, I think I think that's the best recipe. That's, that's <laughs> for, right uh, for making disciples. So that's good. Yeah, I think uh, you know you mentioned having other people uh, speaking into your your children's life, and yeah, part of that is a necessity because. Uh, I mean, all of us in here, when we were teenagers, we weren't listening uh, to all the things that our parents were saying. Right. But when someone else said it, uh, maybe with a different uh, with a different accent, you know, that, that <laughs> resonates with us. Yeah. Uh, and I see that in our own church. Uh, you know, we have uh, one of the things I'm proud of is all of our uh, our older men pouring into some of our teenagers and stepping up and, and, and being that second father and that, that second grandfather. And uh, that, to me, that makes a difference because um, yeah. it made a difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we we see kids today that, well, we see Satan destroying the family or trying yeah. to destroy the mm-hmm. family. And so where those gaps are, that's where the church can walk alongside a family and go, hey, you know, we're not we can't replicate uh, the role of a father, mm-hmm. but we can sure have some men in our church that, that step up and say, I'm going to invest in this kid and I'm going to teach them the word of God, uh, regardless of wherever else they may or may not get that. Uh, that's going to be part of, of my life work and of my life ministry. And we've got, man, there are so many champions in children's ministry that we never hear their names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were talking about our Sunday school teachers that we can remember those people. Mm-hmm. And and those are the people, you know, our greatest investment may not be uh, someone that we invest in. It may be somebody that that kid uh, invests in one day. That's yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think about uh, the, the lady that taught our kindergarten Sunday school. Um, her name was Miss Helen. And I, I'm pretty sure she's sitting right next to the throne of Jesus. You know? uh, <laughs> she deserved it anyway. She, she taught deserved you. it. She taught us. And, and uh, you know, just that, that's the mindset. And, you know, I think about people in my life. Uh, you know, I had one particular uh, man in our church that, um, that uh, he uh, he employed me as his yard care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mowed his yard, basically, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that was kind of his excuse for bringing me under his wing. Right. Um, he didn't need me to mow his yard. He had kids of his own that could do it, and I was yeah. best friends with him, you know. But uh, but I'd get there and I'd spend the night with him on a Friday night and I'd hang out with the family and be brought into the family rhythms and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he'd give me twenty bucks at the end of the weekend, you know, and uh, that to me was just—he was really just you know? paying you to be friends with his son. It might have been that way, you know, if you knew his son. That's my best friend growing up, and uh, oh god, but they—they, they, I mean, they brought me into the family, and still to this day, you know, we went home for uh, for Christmas, and I took my son over to their house, and uh, we spent time uh, because they are a second family to me because they they poured into me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Hey, uh, Mark, as we begin to. Wind up here in just a moment. I want you to leave us with some uh, effective tools, maybe for children's ministry, some books, some uh, curriculum, uh, just any type of resources that you say. If you're if you're looking to get a, a ministry started, or sure. uh, you're already in children's ministry, here's here's a good place to look for some helps. Right. Well, you know, this has gotten so much better through the years. I can remember when I first started in children's ministry. You know, we were trying to 
to find resources and they just weren't out there. But man, mm. you hate to say the internet is full of great stuff because sometimes, <laughs> because sometimes it's not, but there's some really good stuff out there. Um, I, I think for so many years I use orange curriculum, uh, yeah. the rethink group. Um, it's got some pros to it. It's got some cons to it, but there's some great resources. I, you know, Lifeway is really up their game lately. Um, yeah. I, I had moved away from it for years, but now they've got things like the Gospel Project, Bible right. Studies for Life that's, that's topical. And the thing that I see that engages kids now is that when I look for curriculum or something, I, I want it to, to be full of the Word. Mm-hmm. I want it to be full of truth, but I want it also to, to use media, to use yeah. things that our kids are connecting with. And there's a lot of things out there like that. Uh, right now, media, I'm not sure if your church has used that, but it's, it's something that is just a, a treasure trove of great resources. Yeah. Um, worship House Media, you know, a lot of times we go, well, how do we do worship with kids? We don't have anybody that can uh, lead them. And man, those those are some resources that are great. Uh, I have a friend named Kurt Hill who wrote a book called Faith Flows Down. It's for parents. So uh, you can I think if you Google it, you can find it. But he t- he has something in there he calls highlighter talks. Mm-hmm. It's where you you take um, you know a, a copy of God's word and there's you use different highlighters for different types of verses. And it's yeah. just a, a great way for parents to say, "Hey, I have no idea I, how to disciple my kid. I'm scared to death to even open the Word of God with them at home." Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it just focuses on one verse, and then the kid reads the verse. Uh, they talk about what it means with their parents, and then they highlight it in that Bible. And so when you're done, that Bible is full of, of highlighted verses that they've wow. gone through with their kids. And yeah. man, there's just some that's something we've done. We, we did a highlighter talk night at our church, and man, it was greatly attended. And uh, just little things like that um, have been amazing. But there, there are lots of books out there, anything by Reggie Joyner. Um, yeah. I would say yeah. he's, he's one of those guys that have really taken the, the lead in uh, children's ministry. Jim Weidman is probably called the grandfather of children's ministry. He's got a lot of great uh, leadership and children's ministry books out there also. So uh, lots of stuff. I'll tell you one thing that I do now. You know, when kids, we have a child, parent-child dedication, whether you do that Mother's Day or Father's Day. We give them the little white Bible or blue Bible or pink Bible to the kid. But I've started giving uh, the parents a book by Mark Batterson called Praying Circles Around Your Children. Mm -hmm. And I, I give that to them because it's short and they, they see it. And they don't just stick it on a shelf. But yeah. when they have a new a new baby, man, you're doing a lot of praying. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just been a great resource uh, for us to just put something in the hands of those parents and say, hey, yeah. um, this you can start praying for their future spouse now. You can pray yeah, for right. how God's going to use them in this life. Yeah. And uh, it's just been really good. Mm-hmm. That's good, great. Good. I, I love that. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, – um, uh, different resources online, uh, even even good podcasts. Like if you wanted to tell you know your your people at your church to listen to the Imperfect Church podcast, that's a good podcast to listen to for parenting. I'm sure, right, John? It's exactly right. Uh, no, there is a there is a really good one. Um, questions kids ask. Have you heard of that one, Mark? I have not heard of that one, but I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, whether it's mm-hmm. it's leadership podcast or whether it's a parenting podcast. You know, I was going back through uh, what I read this this past year. But, mm-hmm. man, there's some, some really solid parenting stuff out there because oh, yeah. we, we don't have it figured out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, just a constant 
uh, work in progress as parents. And, and I think every one of us at some point or another have just said, man, I don't know what to do in this situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think the best thing is just to realize that we're not the first ones to be there That's and right. we're not yeah. be the last ones either. That's right. That's, right. That's, That's really right. good. Well, Mark, you mentioned it. And so we want to mention it. Um, what have you been reading? Well, right now I'm reading a book by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to Passion with our college students back in January. It was my first time to ever go. I've just yeah. never had the opportunity. It just never came up just right for me. Um, and so I figured I would pick up a, a book by Louis. It's been great um, just talking about facing different things that may get in the way of us serving uh, God to our full potential. Mm-hmm. and. Sometimes we let those things uh, become strongholds in our life. Uh, So, uh, you know, just as an encouragement book, um, y'all, I know that y'all talk about, you know, what you've read. And uh, I said, I I listened to your goal setting podcast a few weeks ago, and I set a goal to read 12 books a year. That's one a month. And. (laughs) Measurable. Measurable. Um, I don't know the rest of the That's right. Measurable. But here's the way that, um, that I get on top of that goal is now I use audible a good bit. So while I'm on the road, I'm no longer, is it just dead time or me just listening to the radio? I'm trying to really make the best use of that time. Uh, And so I, I use audible to read a good bit. So, yeah. Uh, Well, I am reading um, the stories of Flannery O'Connor and I'm reading <laughs> Essential Evangelicalism by Carl or uh, by Matthew Hall and, and uh, Owen Strand, and then I'm reading the first book of God, Revelation, and Authority by Carl Ferdinand Howard Henry. So, I should like that man. <laughs> what about you, John? I uh, I I just finished. Yeah. Appreciate all that you do for children's ministry. One other thing, though, we uh, we want you to talk about before we leave. Okay. Is, uh, I, w- I want people to know about M4 camps. And uh, you talked when you introduced yourself about how uh, your whole family is kind of involved in children's ministry. And I know the uh, the pinnacle of that is probably uh, uh, M4 camps. Sure. Yeah, John... M4 Counts is is just really, for us as a family, has been a blessing because God gave us an opportunity to minister not only in the church, but also to other churches. And uh, back in 2007, that was our first summer uh, with M4 Counts, and it really was birthed out of of a, a really a a natural disaster in Mississippi with Katrina. Yeah. When Katrina hit, Gulf Shore Baptist Assembly was wiped out. Yeah. And so there was a lot of gap in ministry uh, camps during the summer. Mm-hmm. And at this, about the same time, the Lord was leading us just to open up our kids' camp that I was doing at our uh, the church I was serving in to some other people. I thought I was going to have three or four friends join me, and the next thing I knew, uh, we had 450 people coming. <laughs> And so it was birthed out of that, but yet at the same time, it's been a blessing. This will be our 13th summer uh, in 2019. We've grown from 450 people that first year in three camps to over just around 1,300 campers uh, this coming summer. And God has allowed our whole family uh, to be a part of that Um 
my daughter has never known anything but camp. Uh, she just thinks it's normal, you know, for you to leave home for three weeks during the summer and uh, go spend it at another place. Uh, Micah, our son, serves on staff. My wife is really the the creative mind behind so much of what happens. She, God's blessed her and gifted her in some incredible ways uh, to be a part of that. And, and we do it together. I mean, there's, I don't, I could not see us doing that apart from each other. Yeah. And, uh, we, in, we invest in, in some college students and high school students who serve on our staff. We see that as part of the disciple process as well. And, um, and we invest in them. They're a part of that staff. And man, we just have a fantastic time each summer, uh, loving on kids, investing in them and sharing the gospel. That's the main thing is just to, for them to, to connect kids to Christ through camp is, is the way that we look at it. And uh, it, it gets them out of their, their normal routine. And, and that's what camp does. I could talk all day about camp, so <laughs> we'll try to cut it off. Uh, We will see you next time. And until then, keep loving your imperfect church. And remember, one day she will be perfected in glory.